0: Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast. In your week in IndyCar listener Q&A show, got a lot of great questions you've sent in, plus a higher average, definitely higher than usual, number of just straight comments, commentaries, jumping up on the soapbox. Brought to you by Tonto's Quarter Retrieval Service, of course. Some fun stuff this week. Also, I got to say thank you for a reduction in the number of questions. So that too is, it's not a bad thing here. And hopefully get us out of here in record short episode. So I'm looking forward to that. I want to say thank you as well to Cooper tires and their ongoing patronage and support of all that we do. The justice brothers, uh, mighty fine family members for 21 years now. Also Toronto not only have they been a a big part of the show since we launched it, but also big help in some of the charity things that I do. You might have seen that we just launched the third Wilson Children's Fund charity print initiative, and if you have not had a chance, check out the front page of torontomotorsports.com, and you can see what we are selling with a hundred percent of those proceeds going to Wilson Children's Fund. Dot com to support the daughters of my dear and departed friend Justin Wilson, and also say thank you as I slur my words. Early, just getting it out of the way. I'm drinking coffee, not alcohol, but maybe I put something in that alcohol. I don't know. Bell Racing Helmets USA. Wonderful folks in Speedway, Indiana, they keep your lid, they keep your melon, they keep everything about that fine and beautiful face and brain and all the thoughts and wisdom that it contains in just perfect working order. So thanks to all them. I mentioned this in the outset of the guest show, that being Connor Daly, brand new, not exactly a super secret, but brand new Ed Carpenter racing driver, A couple of fun things happened in the last week. One of them, having turned 49, my wife did this really amazing thing in that she contacted an organization and they planted 49 trees, I believe, 49 trees in my name. So I thought that was a really beautiful gesture. Where things get to be a little bit funny, and for some of you, you might know that we are an interracial couple she forwarded that email, noting the fine dedication that she had done with these trees being planted. And I just wasn't sure if maybe her email system uh, sorts the recipients by ethnicity and uh, maybe what's gone haywire between their ears. But all I can tell you is that while looking at the email she forwarded, about this beautiful thing on my birthday looking at it on my phone just fairly narrow column looking at the mail uh it said from my wife her email address and then in brackets below to me it said caucasian wingnut (laughs) and i'm thinking like really really i mean wow we're getting down like that now uh, I, I didn't know I'd really been narrowed to that specific of a uh, a person and personality, but yeah, indeed, Caucasian wingnut. And I couldn't figure it out for the life of me until I got to the bottom of the email in very, very small print. It mentioned that the trees that were planted were indeed Caucasian wingnuts. That's the name of the trees. So anyways, we had a little bit of uh, of ethnic based humor there uh, for my birthday gotta say thanks to robin miller for his phone call uh to say happy birthday you pile of s-h-i-t that had me laughing like you wouldn't believe my favorite thing though that's happened in the last week got a contact got to reach out from someone direct message and it was from a person named jake speed and I'm thinking, all right, it's not Lake Speed, former NASCAR driver, short track driver, but Jake. I'm like, huh, relative, maybe? I don't know, because Lake Speed is weird enough to go, all right, that might actually be a name. Jake Speed sounds entirely made up. So, got this DM from Jake Speed who said, Hey, how are you? Question mark. And any of you on Facebook, you get similar stuff like that from people all the time. And they're just Russian bots and, or some, you know, person from whatever country trying to rope you into buying their whatever, or sell you a wife or a spouse or whatever. So I tend not to respond to those. And Having gotten no response, Jake added, we work together at Pfeiffer Ridge Racing. This is the first professional racing team that I worked for. Started there when I was 18 years old. It's the shop that Jimmy Vassar came out of. And so I'm thinking, I mean, I know my Pfeiffer Ridge Racing people pretty darn good. We stay in very close contact. It's a beautiful little tight-knit team. I can't think of a Jake Speed. I would have remembered that name. Come on. So I responded and said, I don't know any Jake speed. And then he replied and said, I worked on Bruce Cavalli's car. And looking at the picture of this person, 30 plus 30 ish years after we quote worked together picture on his profile is a little bit odd. Kind of sort of maybe looked like a guy that I knew as Gary. And I don't remember Gary's last name. And so I said, uh, I worked with a guy named Gary, who was on Bruce Cavalli's car. And he responds, and this is where things just get fun. And this is where I just wanted to share this, because this is my life. These are the amazing, silly things that happen that you couldn't pay for. You couldn't script. They are just... They're free. They're they're gifts. I receive them. Gifts to the universe. (sighs) So he says, yes, he was indeed Gary back in the day. And then offers an explanation, which is pretty darn amazing. He says he changed his name when he was hired to drive a race car. Let me pull it up here because it's just, this is the guy's story and this is where I wanted, this is where I really want you things, want you to enjoy this. I changed my name when I was signed to drive a car as requested by the car owner. (laughs) So this person that I barely knew, my first season at Fife Ridge Racing, 1989, he was there for about half a year and I was among the first person people to go to our boss, Bob Lesnet, Although I was brand new as well. I think I started like a week or two after him and this guy felt like he was in his, was in his late 20s. I just said, Bob, you got to let this guy go. This guy is the worst. And our crew chief, Ricardo Pinero, our other mechanic, John Ennick, uh, the three of us had just had enough of good old Gary. Gary A showed up late all the time. And so what that meant is while we were assigned to each car, we had our own car, own driver. We'd also work on a variety of other cars, but we had one that was ours primarily that ran in the uh, SCCA Pro Racing, American Cities Racing League Championship. What it meant was we were constantly having to pick up this guy's slack. And so we had our own car and everything we were hired to do for our driver on our vehicle, we were also having to do this guy's work. And he wasn't a bad mechanic. He just, Yeah always showing up late and often did it when he knew that Lesnet was not going to be in early or if he was taking the day off. Uh, Whatever it was, this guy seemed to match his output to when he knew the boss wasn't there to see him underperforming. The other fun thing in this Jake Speed character is he came to Fife Ridge Racing having been a mechanic at Malibu Grand Prix. Some of you might remember what that was. It was call it the forerunner to a k1 speed or any of the indoor karting type facilities you might have gone to well this is really the original outdoor and carts cart type cars open wheel cars little miniature open wheel cars that were probably twice as fast as anything you'll find at a k1 grand prix or whatever indoor karting joint so this guy came to this team having worked on these little poop boxes and all we listened to the entire time is how this guy was the next Ayrton Senna, how this guy was the next Michael Andretti, a future champion, a champion in waiting, all because he worked on these cars, drove them. You know, I think it was a dollar per lap back then. The, I mean, how's this Malibu Grand Prix? They also tended to have the little like miniature golf, little putt-putt golf type things and batting cages. It's the kind of place you went with your friends in grade school or your family if you wanted to go have fun one night that's the kind of place we're talking about as far as gary was concerned this is where the seeds of an indy 500 winner were sowed so the whole time the guy showing up late and just badgering everyone about how he needs to be put into a car just hammering lesnick constantly and ripping down the driver he works for in any of the other drivers and it just got to be enough but where this where things really turn sideways in our good old pal Jake Speed is the guy is one of the two biggest liars I've ever worked with ever. There's another one who's I'll, I'll tell his stories. We're still friends today. Uh, his stories were phenomenal. Gary, though, this guy had an excuse for everything. Every time he was late, it was some. It wasn't just. Oh, man, you know, blew a tire and uh, yada. It was just always some, I was abducted by aliens, uh, Bigfoot uh, kidnapped me. It's just on and on and on and on and would tell you all these things just with a straight face And, and actually push back on you if you called him out on his BS. So after six months of working with this guy, we'd all had enough. Went to Lesnet and said, brother, You don't see most of this because he's artful in how he does it, but he's got to go. And Lesnet was blown away. Sits down with the guy and says, look, apparently I've been missing a lot. I do trust the other guys, and they tell me that you're garbage and you're always late. Uh, You're officially on notice. If you show up late one more time, you're done. So this is where we start to get to the fun with good old Jake Speed popping up here. I don't remember the exact weekend it was, mid to late summer, 1989. But there was, I think it might have been a Trans Am weekend at Sears Point where our shop was based or IMSA, whatever it was. Some sort of big weekend where uh, our Sports 2000 series was on the undercard. This guy rolls up at like 10 a.m., and we all admit, I mean, the latest anyone would consider getting there for a race weekend was eight, but usually it was more like seven and I'm driving from an hour away. So long story short, everyone's getting up early to make sure we're in there. Plenty of time. Cars are ready, warmed up, clients in their cars good to go. This dude rolls up at like 10 a.m. <laughs> Parks right in front of the shop. Right, so takes one of the parking spots left for our clients and just ambles his monkey ass right on in, Hey, guys, what's up? What's happening? Lesnet sees him through the window in his office, and Lesnet, I don't know how tall he was five seven, maybe five eight at most was not a man blessed with height. He was a burly guy he is early guy though and his temper unlike anything i've ever seen on any racing team ever he would throw wobblies where just the shades of red in that man's face and pupils and just his whole body be truly if he could turn green and become the hulk that was the only stage of anger left for lesnet and we saw that frequently so we're like well it's not 8 a.m and there's no Gary. Uh, I guess we know how this story is going to end. Well, not exactly. So his happy ass rolls in at about ten a.m. and pulls right up front, parks right up front. We hear it, and we're just thinking, "You're kidding me! You you don't even have the decency to leave a space for the client who's paying for all this, etc." Walks in, just man as high on life as you could be hey guys what's happening as if he's just going to go right to his toolbox unlock it get ready for the day even though again i don't remember it was me ricardo we'd rolled cavalli's car out warmed it up wiped it down put the correct tires on got him pressured just again doing this guy's work plus our own lesnet sees this guy walk in gets halfway into the shop and Lesnet is like a freaking cheetah pouncing on its prey. Gets right in his face. I told you. I told you. And Gary, I'm sorry, Jake Speed. Gary is just, he's mortified at how Lesnet is reacting. What? Huh? So the minute Lesnet stops reaming him out, he says, hey, don't get mad at me. I just won the lottery. <laughs> ah, So we, we weren't that far back in the shop, but myself and Ricardo and Enik, I mean, we were just pissing ourselves, crying, laughing, because again, this guy, I got abducted by aliens, and then, you know, the, the Loch Ness Monster took me for a ride, and just always, it's just purely Aliens, you know, we went for a a cruise, and sorry, we didn't get back. Our intergalactic intergalactic clock was off; the battery died. But man, boy, here I am now. So Lesnet, having given this guy one final warning, a one and a final warning, rolls in as if nothing had ever happened. Figured he could use his confidence to get by. Lesnet who was just itching to fire the guy, lays into him, and the guy pushes back on Lesnet and says, hey, I just won the lottery. I had to go to the place and get my the ticket and the thing and the whatever, and yeah, I'm a millionaire now. It, the, keep in mind the guy drove up in, I think, this old rusty, dusty Ford Torino. I mean, it just clicking and clanking and just gut bucket garbage. And so we're all staring at ourselves like, just so we're clear, you just won the lottery and millions of dollars. And you show up to work? <laughs> Wouldn't you be showing up in whatever it was at the time, a brand new Corvette or a Ferrari or you know, whatever it is? Wouldn't you call and say, hey, screw you guys? Screw you, Lesnet You're telling me I've got one warning it's the hell with you, I'm a zillionaire. This guy rolls up, tells us, oh, you can't get mad at me. I'm late because I won the lottery. We all stare at each other and just start crying, laughing. He doesn't understand why we're not just happy for him. Lesnit tells him to get his toolbox and get the F out of there. I seem to recall myself and Ricardo just went over and grabbed his toolbox for him and walked it out the door. Like, no, 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 we're we're not waiting. No, no, really. We want to help you and make this transition happen as quickly as possible. So, that was Gary. Haven't really thought about the guy since. Uh, although I speak with and see many of my fellow Fife Ridge alumni on a regular basis, this guy was a blip on the radar, just garbage, pure garbage. So I get this note from him. I changed my name when I was signed to drive a car as requested by my car owner says Jake Speed. I just replied to him, your stories back then were always entertaining. Can't say any were rooted in the truth, but they were amusing until your fellow mechanics, myself included, asked Bob to let you go and then mentioned the uh, millionaire lottery story. And uh, he says, uh, set the record straight. I want a chance at the big spin and I had a chance to win a million. Turned out to be 10,000. And then he says some negative and disparaging things about me, which you would expect. Uh, And then he goes on to mention over and over again, how lesnet and the team was so threatened by him because we went to the malibu grand prix once and gary was faster than lesnet and that in his opinion shocked me and uh what did he say just distorted everything in my world and anyways long story short he then said I got to play with the big boys of NASCAR and made a big enough impact to actually change the rule book and be part of history. So I couldn't have been as bad as you remember. And then goes on to say this, that and the other and so on and so forth. And so despite all the, whatever stuff he says, went on to say, I just responded here and said, so which teams did you work for and drive for in NASCAR? (laughs) And poor old Jake, He hasn't responded now. We're uh, five days after my last. So yeah, it's just always fun when you have a pathological liar like this guy who is steadfast in telling you history as viewed through someone who lies his way through life. Never thought of the guy. Don't I remember his last name? Just remember his first name, Gary, and he just got booted uh, because he was just not the guy. To then find out that he claims to have changed his name to Jake Speed. Uh, I know you could make whatever name you want on social media, but actual going down to the courthouse to change your name because a NASCAR team owner asked you to that's that that is pretty awesome. And then just out of curiosity, I took a look at his Facebook page, and he own he says he manages a company where they sell T-shirts. And the only one I've been able to find is one that says Biden for prison 2020. And I'm just sitting here going, I could not write this if I had to Jake speed. I don't know the guy's real name again. I don't remember. I remember. I remember, but these are the kinds of gifts that I get. And, ah, I'm so thankful. I'm so, so thankful. Um, So that was just a little bit of fun storytelling, hopefully, to kick off this week's episode. As we always do, we mention the name of the person who has won a free gift pack of t-shirts or whatever it is that you might want from TorontoMotorSports.com. for the person from the last episode whose question got the most likes, and that would go to Jared Burcham. If, If I believe Zachary, if he is your brother, was last week's winner, I think, so... If not, then two folks named Bertram are stacking the decks here, asked our man Graham Goodwin about his Ducati motorcycle collection, and folks seem to like that. So, Jared, send me a direct message with your email address. I'll get you linked up with torontomotorsports.com, and we'll send you MP Podcast t-shirt, who knows what. You name it, we will send it all as a thanks. And so let's get rolling here, our first... Proper question of the week goes to Bryson Frank. It says, Marshall, will we see any more changes to the Speedway spec for next year? Will there be new or altered front wing extensions and gurneys, new rear wing additions, or something different entirely? Was holding off on answering this one, Bryson, and I'll try and come back and answer it just because I have been playing phone tag with IndyCar president Jay Fry. So as soon as I get some direction here, I will let you know, I would be surprised if there wasn't something I'd be very surprised if there wasn't some sort of modification, because if we're just talking what you're mentioning here, like they did in 2019, some modest modifications, those things being done to improve the racing, reduce front downforce loss, reduce drag, reduce stalling and whatnot. I'd be very surprised if IndyCar didn't come up with a few other new things, but not necessarily big things. So we'll get back to you on this as soon as I get the info, but uh, yeah, gotta believe they might. Let's go to Fleetwood Mark. This is Marshall. Good to see the news about Connor Daly joining ECR. Can you comment on what the meaning was of his tweet several weeks ago about fighting for the United States air force sponsorship? Can't say that this is accurate. It's not the kind of thing that folks confirm when you ask or respond to when you ask, but had heard that one team, maybe even a team Connor drove for very recently, was doing its best to cut the welds between Connor Daly and the USAF and bring the USAF to their team to be a sponsor independent and without Connor. So believe that's what he was referring to. Not uncommon, right? A driver has a sponsor to offer. Uh, <laughs> that is that is the somewhat newborn deer walking through the forest basin and every predator looks out and goes, "Aha, that looks tasty." Maybe I should go get that. Old story. Very old story. Happens all the time. Sounds like this is what happened to Connor. Let's go to Leaves on the Trees. Any news on Scuderia Corsa returning at all? Be with Ed Carpenter or another team? No news. But as I've been mentioning for a couple months now, I have heard nothing to suggest that they would be back. If that changes, I think we would see that being involved with Renus VK's entry. I would hope they would come back. Would love to have them come back. Heard that dollars to continue to play an IndyCar may be tighter than desired. So we know that they are continuing in IMSA's WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in GT Daytona with the WeatherTech Racing entry. Cooper McNeil, Tony Vlander. Alessandro Balzan and my pal, local San Matean Jeff Westfall, but I don't know if the money is going to go beyond that to continue to co-enter something in IndyCar. Let's go to our pal 82 GMC Jimmy. It says Marshall, please complete the following statement: IndyCar in 2020 will be the year of, huh? First thing that comes to mind, IndyCar in 2020 will be the year of the victory taco. That's that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. I don't know if I'm saying Colton Hurt is going to be our new champion. That takes a body of work, obviously, first round to the last round. That is pretty darn impressive. But I do think the kid pulling off two wins, a couple of poles in his debut season with a tiny team with very limited resources. I love the idea of that same talent being at the mothership using that same Andretti Technologies information and equipment now as part of the proper Andretti racing family. I love the idea of what he might be able to do. So, yeah, would I say two wins, if not three? For sure. Would a Joseph Newgarden winning the championship or Dixon maybe or Rossi maybe or Hunter Ray or Pagina, would those things be a surprise? Not at all. I don't think it'd surprise anyone. But I do believe that our man, I do believe our man Colton Herta, is going to be... I, here's what I'm thinking might happen. We know that Ryan Hunter Ray was the undisputed Kang, undisputed King of Andretti Autosport. Alexander Rossi came in within a short amount of time, posed a really big threat. Those two get along wonderfully, just competitively. All right. Wow. Is this his team now? Obviously, he's finished, what, second or third the last year or two in the championship. This is someone who has shown himself to be an immediate threat. Second in the 2018 championship, third last year. Know that between the two, Hunter Ray and Rossi, these guys are going to be in the mix, in the fight for the title. Rossi's fortunes have certainly been greater Hunter Ray's been struck by a lot of bad luck, but there's also been, you know, many times where Rossi's just simply been the fastest. Nonetheless, I'd be very interested to see if by the end of 2020, this kid in his second year, Colton Herta, is the guy we're talking about as being Andretti Autosports de facto leader, just based on results. You consider what he and Nathan O'Rourke did in 2019 on about $4. What are they going to be able to do now against Rossi and his amazing engineer, Jeremy Millis? If we look at Ray Gosselin and Hunter Ray, it's a stacked team. But just like we've seen Rossi rise to a point to where we could argue without getting too much pushback that this guy's become the number one bullet At Andretti, yeah, there's just something that feels like it'd be strange if we closed the year without Colton being P1 and downing a lot of victory tacos. Let's go to Fairlane35, who says, With the very good news that Connor Daly is getting the road course gig with Ed Carpenter. And the Oval Race is presumably open with Carlin alongside Max Chilton. It has me wondering, do you think they'll get the LED panels back in time for the start of the season? Oh, thank you. <laughs> ah, I love a good bait and switch. Yes, uh, we can hashtag breaking exclusive scoop IndyCar and our show partner, Bell Racing Helmets USA. They have developed a brand new mandatory helmet where the outside, it's no longer carbon fiber. It's actually one round LED screen. So yes, the driver helmets, it's now going to be just full-time messaging, car numbers, nationality orders, right? Hey, anybody wants something from In-N-Out Burger? uh, You might be able to, you know, texts will show up, Um, emojis for sure, you know, really good pass. You'll see some sort of big smiley, emoji or maybe a eggplant depending on you know how manly the pass was someone cuts in front of a driver you might see that facepalm emoji show up on the side of the helmet or the top so yep uh led panels no it's not not plural it's singular it's just the new helmets yeah that's what it is so also can reveal exclusively here that multiple in-car cameras will be added bolted to the halo portion of the arrow screen just so we can see all the different messaging and whatnot on those helmets. Now that you're really kind of not able to see them very well due to being covered up by the arrow screen itself. So, so look at that. We have breaking news to open the show. Let's go to Casey Kulich. 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 I don't know. You tell me Marshall. How does the Lard EW 12 chassis rank compared with cars of the past? Uh, We know the engines are down about 400 horsepower, but they're much more reliable. We know the safety of the monocoque is light years ahead of the predecessors. We know the aero package focuses on traffic handling. But what about the chassis itself and its handling? Well, Casey, I can tell you that with a lot of work and a lot of changes, a lot of development, a lot of complaints, a lot of criticisms, uh, the DW12 has gotten to a place where it is not a bad race car, as its drivers say. But I don't know if we can just take the last couple of years, especially the move towards the UAK18 bodywork, and just forget everything that came before. The manufacturer aero kits that made crazy downforce certainly allowed the cars to do some pretty amazing things, but I'm just going to go back to the original DW12 before it had to be modified and modified and modified to get it to a place where it was not a steaming pile. Um, A certain Penske driver who has won championship and, Indy five hundred, so I know that narrows it down to a couple. Told me just what two years after two years with the car, he said very frankly, "It really bums me out to think I'm going to spend the final years of my Indy car career in this effing car." He says it does nothing you want. It does nothing right. It's just, it's a car. And it does offer some of the things you mentioned, Casey. Keep in mind, though, that even on the safety side, it had to go through round after round after round of improvements because the sidewalls are getting knocked in. Uh, This is happening, and that's, I mean, if we forget that there was a DW-12 from 2012 through, I don't know what, 2017, 2018, I don't know. You might look at it and go, hey, that might be re- remembered in a fond manner. At least for those who were there driving in the first couple of years. Uh, I really struggled to get positive comments out of any of them. So maybe it's just a case of what you prefer to remember. Um,. From a nostalgia standpoint, I can tell you that for those who drove in the old cart or champ car series and have also and continue to compete in the modern day IndyCar series, uh, if they had to pick and choose what they had in their garage between the two, I would say that there would not be any DW12s on that list unless it was an Indy 500 winner or some sort of truly historic item because of a certain win. But just for the pleasure and joy of driving? Yeah. Let's go to Mark Cardella. He says, Now the show is performed with adult beverages and you're slightly buzzed. Is there any truth to the rumor that the podcast now have Dean Martin songs playing softly in the background? Ah, I do love the fact, Mark, that my own ineptitude and the fact that I've just committed to the listener Q&A show being rough, and uh, as I guess I referred to it recently, an unpolished turd, I can see where my consuming a beer or two over the last couple of episodes would absolutely contribute to the belief that I am buzzed haven't gotten there yet but maybe maybe i need to actually do that maybe the christmas week show maybe the new year's eve week show maybe one of those needs to be performed while i am halfway down a bottle of something um i did just see that not my brother scott pruitt has apparently sent something nice uh is on the way should be here tomorrow from Pruitt Vineyards. So maybe that's the answer, Mark. Maybe I need to uh, bust open a bottle of whatever it is not my brother Scott Pruitt has sent as a kind holiday gift. And yeah, we'll see if you can tell the difference. That's going to be the thing. If it just sounds like my normal crap, eh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just need to put those things down, because uh yeah, I doubt you're gonna be able to tell. Let's go to Gary Chin. It says Marshall since Arena's VK drove for Ricardo Hunkos and in Indy Lights. Did Hunkos try to get VK to drive for his IndyCar team? I believe those conversations took place. I'm sure that the uh then count family, that's VK's actual last name, if I didn't just murder its pronunciation, um confident that they spoke with many teams i know that ricardo is never shy to try and work with a driver to move up i'm aware gary that within the paddock ricardo is known it's a reputation can't say it's totally accurate but i believe it's not too far off base but within the paddock ricardo is known for being one of the priciest team owners if you want to drive his car compared to a nearly identical, if not identical, DW12 Chevy at another team, Ricardo's price tag tends to be a bit higher. So, if we're talking rumors, I've heard that Renus and his backers had a significant amount of money to bring early. That was the, I shouldn't say early. That's what went around for a while, that it was almost a complete budget being offered. And then heard that that got trimmed back a bit. Which might be the thing that led to the announcement taking so long to happen. Provided any of those things are accurate, Gary, it might explain why doing something with Ricardo was not really an option based on Ricky's financial needs. Let's go to Jordan Darwin. says, Marshall, any talks with tracks about 2020 live podcasts? says, we, your loyal weekend IndyCar and weekend sports car fans, would all understand it if it is hard to forecast what traveling you'll be doing in 2020, but we pray and hope your wife, your bro, continues to improve to allow you both to do what you love. Jordan says, hashtag me personally. I'm looking forward to one day being able to catch a live podcast. That's really sweet, Jordan, and I look forward to that as well. You, uh, you're a really big contributor to what we do here every week. I know this, we did nine, and by we, I guess, yeah, we, we, everybody that helped put them on. Those who showed up, those who just everything. We did nine (laughs) last season across IndyCar and IMSA, and that was with uh, me losing June, July, August as well, and October. So that was with missing, and obviously, awful lot of racing happens from june through august so that was with me missing a whole bunch of events we managed to do nine so i do my voice is cracking is it possible to go backwards through puberty when you hit 49 i don't know my voice is cracking like a fool but i've actually edited those out because they really annoy me but maybe i'll leave this one in uh I would plan, Jordan, on doing as many as I can. The only one that was meant to happen but didn't because we just couldn't find a time and a, I think we might have had a location but we couldn't find a time that worked was at Long Beach. We're going to try and do a IndyCar a joint IndyCar and IMSA live podcast with a couple drivers from each paddock just was too much to make happen. So See if we can come up with something better, smarter to make Long Beach a thing this year. But yeah, uh, I think as many as I can, I'm going to do. And they were serious highlights throughout the year. Big help with this, too. Cooper Tires. Their traveling stage, their traveling activation unit. It's really nice with the side that comes down and it is just that it's a stage with a full PA system. So we put on, I don't know how many, but we did a lot of them this past year on the Cooper stage. And it's beautiful because not only is it just turn key, walk up and go, but it's really meant for this kind of stuff. And so that made life really easy. Our friends at green, savory promotion, savory green, I always get the order wrong. Uh, we did what three, I think with them, st pete mid ohio imsa and portland so i'm sure we'll continue to do that again uh did three at monterey one with imsa and two with indycar i don't know if that's gonna happen again seeing as how uh the fix is in brand new management firm. (laughs) i'm not even sure if they're gonna give me a parking pass uh but eh, whatever i'll be there cool thing is is both IndyCar and, and IMSA um, seem to be fans of the live show, so uh have a feeling we will do something there as well. Indy, for sure, was wanting to do two. Uh, we did one, hoping to do two this year. And from there, Jordan, not exactly sure, but I'm going to do as many as I can throughout the year and as time allows. Final quick note on this. My off-season has ended for more than a decade the first week of January. That's because I'm on a plane to Daytona for the Roar Before the 24, the official and mandatory test prior to the Rolex 24, later in the month. Looking like travel in January is it's questionable at best. So, without rehashing anything that you've probably heard far too many times already uh, with my wife coming home and being home, which has been amazing now since the end of September. um, What that has meant is instead of her being under 24 hour care uh, that in a hospital rehab type environment, that just means that the 24 hour care has transferred to me. And while she's making amazing progress, Uh, there's still the need to be here to take care of her. And so where the question of, well, couldn't you hire somebody probably in my absence, but you know, 2 AM, she needs something. Uh, I'm not exactly sure someone else is going to be able to do that. So, but regardless, I don't want someone else here taking care of my lady. That's why we're together. So, as soon as we get her to a place, and it doesn't feel like it's too far away, just feels like January's maybe a little bit too soon, uh, but as soon as she is capable of looking after herself at home and doing all the things she needs to do without my assistance, then I will be on the road doing what I do, hoping, maybe, my first outing will be IndyCar Spring Training at COTA, Uh, What, the second week of February? That's not a long, long flight, but again, we'll have to see. Uh, I might have to miss that as well, which would be pretty crazy. So who knows? It might be be March before I'm back on the road again. Let's go to a uh, dissertation here from our man, Brian Cohn. says, congrats to Connor. Marshall, this is in relation to your discussion about the worst driver's to drive an Indy car from last week. He says, hashtag me personally. Brian Cohn would have been your number one pick as worst ever had I taken up the offer by an IndyCar team, not named to protect their reputation, to take my rookie test at Indy in 1995, the year of the split. Yes, me at the time, a tin top wanker of some distinction in the SCCA club ranks with exactly one Formula Ford race under my belt. Got a call from a team owner asking if I wanted to take my rookie test at Indy, not at Putnam Park or some laps at IRP. This two weeks previous. I was racing a Dodge Neon against Scott Harrington. Two weeks later, Scott Harrington is trying to make the Indy 500. I declined, although I could have written the $50,000 check at the time. I'm pretty sure i made the right choice oh brian that's amazing (laughs) and it just speaks to the time doesn't it uh must have been 96 though if we're talking near the split by the way because 95 was the last year of cart entries being there but regardless um wow someone and i just again i I could have been that guy if I had the money too. That desperate a team, that desperate to take someone who is just racing, you know, little ish type cars on a local level with one Formula Ford race to his credit to try and do his rookie test for the 500. That's amazing. Brian then says, "My question: Are you and Mrs. Pruitt going to catch any WWE events in the off season?" <laughs> I fear not, Brian. Uh, I fear not. There is an event here, I think, in a couple days in San Jose. And no, unfortunately, we haven't followed WWE a ton. I know this is going to be a surprise. We've been a little bit busy with other things in life, but uh, we have tried to catch a little bit. And I mean, we watched uh, some Raw on Monday, and it was kind of terrible, but the, uh, the other thing which is just hard to get past is obviously with her going through chemo every week uh, tends to beat up your body but your immune system very heavily as well and your blood counts and whatnot go down. It makes going out in public and being among 10, 15, 20,000 people, uh, you just are at super risk of catching some sort of cold, some sort of something at a time when your body is not in a position to fight it. And so, yeah, so that's the reason why, although we would love to do that, we'd love to go see a movie. <laughs> we'd love to go, well, I would love to go see Ford versus Ferrari. She would uh, humble me in that request, but it's just stuff like that. We're not able to, uh, to go out and do things like that just because we need to keep her as uh, isolated as we can so that she is as healthy as possible. As we go through this process, let's go to Ray Schumann. Hey, Ray. He says, Marshall, here's one for you. I liked what you said about giving engine suppliers a box to work in in the future. My suggestion for the box is that the car is given a certain amount of energy over the course of the race. That energy can be created, liquid fuels, batteries, hydrogen, for example, and consumed in a way the manufacturer is choosing. That would certainly let the manufacturer use IndyCar for R&D. My concern is that not every manufacturer who plays is going to, quote, Get it right and to keep them from losing face and keep the racing close, there'll have to be some sort of BOP. I don't like a system that punishes success, but I don't see a way around it if you want to have competitive races in anything other than a mostly spec series. It's an interesting topic, Ray. I've heard this suggested before, not necessarily in IndyCar, but in other series that just pay this is the amount of energy you can use go and everyone has the same limit but how you get there is up to you that's going to obviously create competitive differences i still just question whether people want close races as my voice starts to crack again whether folks or manufacturers want the same things I mean, as a manufacturer, manufacturers don't want close races. <laughs> manufacturers want the most disadvantaged races possible to their rivals. They Trust me, there's nothing that any brand in any racing series wants that's close to being close. They want to destroy and promote the fact that they're better, faster, you name it, than any of their rivals. As fans... We used to get that. We used to accept that. That's been lost. I think the specification, not a word, the specification of so many racing series, including IndyCar, has drummed that notion out. And because of that, instead of it being a really interesting technical exercise, athletic exercise, strategic exercise, I think over the last, couple of decades while we've been in this specified world i think many folks especially those who've come into the sport new, right never knew the old days of five different chassis different tires different engine just everything different i think we've just evolved to a place where i'm using air quotes fans in general just want close entertaining racing and the cars have become somewhat anonymous tools to achieve those means this would be really the area ray where i think if we were to go down this road and say hey you can come up with anything you want and do things however you like to reach to have this maximum amount of energy you can play with to go from the start to the finish of the race and then say but we're going to balance you out through balance of performance. I don't see how any manufacturer would sign up for that in IndyCar. I know that that gets done in sports cars. Totally understand that. But culturally, there's just always been a difference here. Hey, we're going to let you run wild and do all kinds of different things to prove your superiority. And once you bring those cars through the tech shed, we're going to change this, tweak that, dial this up, dial that down to level everyone. I think that would be a hard sell. So maybe if this scenario of a box, fill it how you like, maximum energy for everybody, but there's certainly different methods that are going to be faster, more competitive, more sustainable to achieve success in doing that. Therefore, there's going to be faster cars and slower cars. Maybe it would be upon us as racing fans to accept this older way of doing things, this thing that, spec racing has drummed out so would folks tune in watching the pick the team uh the heck we'll just say team penske i guess that wouldn't be a surprise but if they had a partnership came up with this propulsion system internal combustion hydrogen i don't know what magnetics who knows warp drives that lapped the field five times over at heck let's not just say an oval but you know road america i think that would be insane i think that'd be an insane story for that auto manufacturer the technical partners in that for them to tell would that be something that rendered and the cars would be cartoonishly fast if that happened right so much faster than the others. I think that might be the story, right? That would be the ESPN, the Scott Van Pelt bad beats segment <laughs> where it looked like it was adults competing against children. The beatdown was so bad and whatever the odds were, were defied so heavily. Maybe, I don't know, but interesting stories that make people pay attention. I would say that's the thing IndyCar has that's the shortage we've had do people have a reason that to look in and care to be amused to make sports center to make the highlights for something other than a crash if it isn't the indy 500 winner being celebrated because it's kind of an american institution does indycar make headlines that would make people care not just fans but just oh hey yeah wow that's interesting I don't know. This to me seems like it could be something. Your plan, minus the BOP, seems like it could be something, for sure, Ray, that got people looking in. Uh, We're going to go to Ryan Terpstra, who says, I have a top 10 list item for Roger Penske that I've not heard mentioned anywhere. Engaging in the next generation of IndyCar fans, drivers, and mechanics. Graham brought up the importance of youth on last week's episode. For any listeners with kids or even teens as I go back to my teens and puberty. I encourage you to take them to a race. Ryan says kids tend to like loud things that go fast. Even two tickets on Southwest airlines is still a good bargain. Well, preach on Ryan. I cannot disagree. Uh, Well, you get one of two things. You either get kids who just press their face up against the fence and will do everything in their power to get closer to the race cars or you get the ones that run away screaming and their fight or flight mechanism has been triggered and they have been scarred for life by racing the looks and the sounds and just the violence of it all. So you'll find out real quickly if your kid or kids (laughs) are likely to be racing fans. And if not, well, there you go. Uh, Let's see. Raymond Wong says, Marshall, you're talking about jokers in the history who shouldn't be on the jokers list, referring to the worst IndyCar drivers of all time. He says, uh, how about Ross Bentley? Or go further to Pat Bedard, who thought the car was going to kill him at Indy and nearly did. Funny you should mention that, Raymond. About a day before I posted this call for questions, I just had this, whatever happened to Pat Bedard? Is he still alive? And looked him up and sent myself a note that I need to try and find Pat, capture a my racing life and career episode with him, because he is certainly among the most impressive journalists who have embarked upon racing careers. Pat, who had just a stomach turning crash at Indianapolis, but nonetheless. Someone who got as far as the Indy 500, who, you know, really and truly was a writer first. I uh, would love to talk to Pat about his career. So I love the fact that you mention him here uh, as well. As for Ross Bentley, yeah, I wouldn't, <laughs> I mean, Ross drove a lot of garbage. Uh, he was a Dale Coin driver back in the day that when being a Dale Coin driver, being a Dale Coin driver meant you hoped you would be faster than the pace car and you your motor or whatever else would last longer than the pace cars um certainly not from an era where the coin entries were shining glorious or anything the least bit positive so yeah uh, I, I wouldn't hang ross's lack of results on him do i think ross was a future champion no not at all oddly enough i don't know what the percentage is but that's something we need to say about 90 percent. who knows 95 98 of all indycar drivers today in the future and in the past we're not future champions so it's not a really big conviction of of talent or character so did Ross ever strike me as someone that put fear in other drivers? No, but that's also another thing that most drivers are not that good and don't do that. So did have a good career in sports cars. I uh, would say that he was known as a, a, a good shoe, hired by a number of people, put in a lot of good a lot of good years of work there. But yeah, I, I still think Brian's idea. Brian Cohn, uh, the, the non-IndyCar driver, among Us might be the worst ever uh, who thankfully didn't get that test because it would have been uh, well, you would have needed that 50 grand for the hospital bills, Brian, just like I would have. So, great call there. Derek Bartashek says, Marshall, I got this one in too late last week, but you gave it a thumbs up, so I'll ask it again this week. He says, long time listener, first time question questioner in an alternate universe, one seat at each of Penske, Ganassi, and Andretti open up but they're reserved exclusively for current F1 drivers and one seat each at Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull open up, but reserved exclusively for current IndyCar drivers. Which three current F1 drivers do you think would excel or perform the best in IndyCar? And which three current IndyCar drivers do you think would excel and perform best in F1? This is bonus points if you want to place them in their respective best fitting teams says all the best to you and your wife ah i love again i love questions like these thank you Derek. the ones that are just fun and you know frankly make me try and think a little bit uh (laughs) i don't know if i'm gonna succeed but i will give it an absolute shot so why don't we get the f1 drivers out of the way first talking penske and dreddy and ganassi who do I, of uh, which three F1 drivers do I think would fit Excel, etc. cetera? Huh. My first choice is going to be Romain Groschon. Why? Oh, the king of misery, the king of pain. We might be down one Frenchman if our, our French fry, Sebastian Bourdais, doesn't get hired. Um, so we need Romain, who is just, he is the human cartoon anvil. Right? Oh, well, Granted, that means he'd run into Ryan hunter Ray all the time, so that wouldn't actually be too good for our friend. Um, all right. <laughs> I love this question, by the way. A couple of ideas here. Obviously, you know, a Lewis Hamilton would be an obvious one. A Vettel would be an obvious one. But between the two of them, they've got 10 world championships or some silly thing. I'll say I'll just strip those, that top, top tier out, of proven established multiple time champs and look to a little bit younger, maybe would say the first one that jumps out for sure is Lando Norris. When I believe he and Colton were teammates at Carlin and F4 or something like that to begin with, they're the same guy. They really are the same guy personality wise. Just love the two of them, right? Just fun, engaging, really unique great hearts but they have that they they share the same talent which is scary and that is it all seems to come easily to them that's what Colton did this past season that made everyone go oh, if you're doing this as a rook holy crap what are you going to do with two or three years under your belt Norris to me was Young and having gone through puberty as I haven't. Norris is someone that just jumped out to me. He's like, wow, this kid is just getting so much out of himself, out of this car. First year that McLaren's had a car and an engine combo that wasn't a liability on one side or the other. Heck, if sometimes you've had both. Uh, But this is really, to me, something where this kid jumped out, really jumped out. Uh, I know that his teammate, Carlos Sainz Jr., finished a couple spots ahead of him in the championship. I'm not worried about that at all. Um, I I think Lando, I think that kid is just made of fairly extraordinary stuff. Where would he fit? Uh, That seems like an Andretti thing, doesn't it? Younger talent, and then he and Colton could be teammates. Elsewhere? Huh. Yeah, I would say, I mean, the probably my favorite F1 driver, and I don't claim to know the kid at all, but I'm just observing him. Alexander Albon. I love that kid. Uh, he seems like a blast. Just a really good one. And seems like someone who has more upside than we've seen. Seems like there is more there. Not as fast yet as his teammate Max Verstappen. But there just seems like... It feels like with Max, we're getting what he's got. And it's incredible. But it just doesn't appear like there's another gear for him to grab. Albon, it seems like there's one, maybe two more gears to grab. So that, I would love to see him... So, I'm not sure personality-wise where he would fit uh, between the Penske and Ganassi side. I'll just go Ganassi because I think they would... Yeah, that might be a good fit there. After that... I mean, the I guess Charles Leclerc would be a pretty obvious decision. I don't know, though. Uh, I'm trying to think. Is there someone else who might jump out as... All right, so a bit of a crazy one. I think George Russell might be pretty darn special. And I'm just going to throw him in there because, look, Leclerc drives for Ferrari, so that's pretty easy. So, yeah, Uh, Albon, Russell, and Norris. There you go. Uh, As for who from IndyCar would I throw into Formula One, uh, who would we chuck into Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull? (laughs) Heh, 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 heh uh where should we go here colton i think right obviously european experience as well (sighs) definitely not ferrari that place would bum him out mercedes just seems like it yeah uh, he i think he'd thrive there but I, i just don't know if the vibes are right definitely red bull i think definitely red bull that'd be a perfect fit for him who else I mean, do we go Scott Dixon with a Mercedes? I mean, that it's the thing we've always wanted to see, and we're fairly convinced he would do well. Uh, so, yeah, I'll say Dixie at, at Mercedes. I mean, there's no doubt the guy's going to be wicked, just wickedly fast, even though he's, what, 39, 40? Um, hasn't lost much there. Struggling a little bit for the last one, going to Ferrari. Um... New Garden, maybe? Maybe turn a new leaf there? They could embrace their first American since what? If we're talking birth. Phil Hill? Am I forgetting someone? Uh, I mean, I know Mario Drove for them, obviously. But uh, yeah, as for Made in America, let's throw a New Garden there. Um, I don't know if they'd know what to make of him. Uh, I mean, that kid, he can certainly be buttoned up if he wants to, but he's got a pretty big personality. Um, I think he'd be. I think it'd be a blast seeing him if he was alongside of Vettel. <laughs> I don't think Vettel would know what to make of him. And we got to get New Gardens blood up a little bit. You know, he's not a small guy. I think he could, you know, just pop Vettel in the head once or twice, kind of let him know who's boss, set the tone. It'd be kind of fun. I like the idea of that. Violence, I guess. Uh, I'm just preaching violence for no particular reason. Why? Well, now i have got problems. Uh, hey, let's go to... Where should we go? We're gonna to go to Ryan Ward. It's Marshall, I noticed no mention of Scuderia Corsa in the Condor Daily News. We already mentioned their uh lack of news in general, but also the fact that we haven't expected much out of them. But Ryan does post something that uh that is interesting. Ryan also asks if we know if Scuderia Corsa is moving over to Carlin or maybe back to Ray Hall Adam and Lanigan. That's the part I wanted to pick up here. I apologize. Haven't heard that. Haven't heard anything there, Ryan. Uh, if they do, good on them. But uh, there's going to be some news. I'll try and write about soon here about Carlin um, related vein, but not Scuderia Corsa. Ryan says also thought about something that hasn't been touched on <sighs> in the Dale Coin Racing mess. It says Sebastian was Vasser and Sullivan's guy. And a lot like Craig Hampson, Seb was the reason they partnered up with Dale Coyne. Where does the relationship stand with Dale Coyne and Vassar Sullivan after Borde's ouster? Where does Craig Hampson's relationship stand with Dale Coyne? So is correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought you had said in the past that Vassar and Sullivan had been buying up equipment in chassis and a chassis for potential expansion. Any chance they could break off from Dale Coyne Racing and go back out on their own? Got a couple other questions here too. Uh, let's see. Where does this leave the relationship between Coin and Vassar and Sullivan fully intact from what I understand. No changes, and I confirmed that the choice by Dale to not honor Sebastian's contract had nothing to do with the Vassar and Sullivan side losing any sponsors or bringing less money to the table. So they are independent of Dale's decision, uh, financially driven decision. Uh where does Craig Hampson's relationship stand? I don't know. Uh, I've been meaning to reach out to Craig to see if he wants to talk. Um I know as I've mentioned recently that uh at least one other team has been interested in getting a hold of him and boy that sure would be good uh if they're trying to get better. That being the Aero McLaren SP team. Um Yes. Sully and Jimmy did buy a chassis that has been added to the general pool at Dale Coin Racing. Um, Also, you asked, any chance they could break off from Coin and go out on their own? Would say very slim right now, Ryan. As I understand, while the relationship is important between both sides, the Vassar Sullivan group and Coin, wouldn't say that They have been contributing crazy amounts of money, meaning if they were to go on their own, I think we'd be talking about a very small calendar uh, combined with coins, assets, infrastructure, staff, and the money that Dale puts into the team. It all works independently. Not right now. Uh, I do think we're going to hear maybe provided Lexus, which is the, uh, the team that AIM Vassar Sullivan represents an IMSA with a new DPI formula coming in 2022 have been hearing for a while. Now that Lexus is really interested if it is, if they do decide to go, uh, I'd be surprised if AIM Vassar Sullivan is not their team of choice. So if we're talking expansion money being spent and what's happening for the future think a relationship with dale on the indycar side is beneficial i think if money is being spent growth etc is going to take place it'd probably be on imsa with something bigger and truly of their own on that side uh ryan also says any news and where some very talented free agent engineers might land he mentions eric cowden most recently tony Cannon's engineer and technical director at Foyt, and jeff brown uh, my friend and co-host of Inside the Sports Car Paddock, which has been on a bit of a delay for a couple months. Haven't heard about Cowden. Haven't spoken with Jeff for a little while. We've texted a lot, so need to find out there. Did see, happy to fill in an area of ignorance, that Todd Malloy, who was the technical director at uh, Aero SPM uh, through the middle of summer, that he has apparently joined and been with Rahal Letterman Lanigan on their IMSA bmw factory gt team so there's that little bit let's go to getting to the end here and i'm uh again uh, i'm happy to say that and i'm hoping you enjoy it because a couple of short ones and this fine month of december uh, that would be uh that would be pretty darn awesome daniel davidson says marshall how jealous were you that kelly crandall kelly who writes and covers nascar for racer how jealous were you that Kelly got to write about the WWE 24-7 championship in a piece last week in which IndyCar personality would uh, would find the most success in the 24-7 division? Daniel referring to new NASCAR Cup champion Kyle Busch air quote winning the WWE 24-7 championship. Uh, yeah, and it was then probably lost. That's the thing. It's this belt they've come up with that can be won anywhere at any point in time as long as a referee is there to uh officiate. Yeah, I saw that and I loved it and I was a little bit jealous. Uh yeah. But hey, good I mean that's why we got Kelly, man. She does a great job. Um who from IndyCar would really who could do it? Well, a lot of them could do it, but who would fit? <sighs> if we're talking personality big personality but showy personality right that's part of the wwe universe you can't you know the year there are no introverts right you're either the heel being a jerk but not just being a quiet jerk being out loud and proud jerk and trying to get the crowd mad at you and all kinds of stuff or you're a baby face and you're just charm and smiles and love and whatever, something, getting folks to root for you, you can't really be in the middle at all. So that, sadly, scrubs about 80% of the IndyCar drivers off the list. Part of me, I don't know. There's a couple of different drivers that I'm thinking about and looking at here, but really, there's only one. That jumps out, uh, compared to any of the others, Daniel, there's, I think one, there's only one that fits the criteria, big personality showy and like really putting on a show going over the top manufactured and that's our man, Simon Pagino, right? He'd be in his effing fire suit again with his effing helmet on, um, He'd be the one, right? And he's cultivated this kind of lights camera action, ding, with the little thing glistening off his tooth when he smiles the moment the lights come up and the cameras get turned on. It has to be Simon. Throw on that super thick Jean Girard, uh, Talladega Nights French accent. You were there, right? Um, I don't know what he does uh he couldn't be a baby face he'd have to be a bit of a heel right there'd have to be something going on there maybe playing the uh, sasha baron cohen character a little bit too close but still it'd have to be passionate he is made for this kind of stuff do i think he understands wwe or knows what wrestling is other than maybe andre the giant i don't know i should ask him probably but yeah it's got to be simon Two to go. Tyler Graff says, Marshall, any Hinch updates, anything we can at least be hoping for is possibly maybe in the works. I apologize here, Tyler, because I don't recall if I mentioned this a week ago or two weeks ago, if I'm rehashing something old, I apologize. But the only thing I know of recently and I know of to be, you know, good is Hinch had a sponsorship meeting not too long ago that is said to have gone very well whether that's and the contract with the team is being signed as we speak I don't know but for what I've heard Hinch has been on a media blackout so you know he's not exactly filling in some of these questions which I understand and respect last update I got really good sponsor meeting and although Bobby Rahal says it won't happen. Uh, I keep hearing that things could be warming up a little bit back at Rahal Letterman-Lanigan, about a third car, whether it's full season, partial season. I don't know whether that's accurate or not. I don't know. But these are the things that I hear. I'm going to close with Mike DiCardo. It says, Indy Q&A question for you. Fascinating to hear of Coin refusing to let Sebastian go to Ganassi two years in a row and also refusing to swap him for Hinch a few months ago, only to cut him loose with no options at the 11th hour. So what's at play here? Is Dale a tough-minded businessman simply plying a hard line? Or a dick move by said owner, or something in between? I already hate one team going into 2020. Should I make it two? And he says, I give you crap about the length of the weekly Q&As, but do get a lot out of them and appreciate the hard work. Wishing you and yours a much better 2020 health wise. Thanks, Mike. And because of all that crap you give me, I placed your question at the end. Why? <laughs> because if I didn't, I wouldn't respect myself. You all would be really disappointed if I put the guy who complains about the length of the Q&A show up front, right? If you're going to complain about it, then you're going to have to wait to the end. I mean, that's just right. That's no options. Um, so this is our closer. And I, I either open with a longer one to burrow into or try and close with a longer one. So wanted to move this specifically to the end for this reason. It's, a, it's a, maybe a little bit of a, a philosophical one, Mike. Which means we'll have to see which side you fall on this. I'm just going. I'm sorry about my voice, guys. I have no idea what's going on. But it just, in Juan Montoya's finest phrase, it is what it is. So Dale came up racing what we would call the road to Indy back in the day and got into IndyCar, almost no money, did his best to make a thing out of it, uh, was able to compete for a couple of years on a shoestring, was not able to really and truly make much out of things. Didn't have the money, didn't have the resources, didn't have anything. But he was able to latch on and run for a couple of years. Would definitely say that there was a a fairly long period of time, if not the majority of Dale's time, behind the wheel in IndyCar, where it was the modern-day equivalent or the the old-school equivalent of a modern start and park, like we've heard about NASCAR money to be made. What can we do to go out and run enough laps to qualify to get last place money or something similar? But we're just more or less showing up, hoping to make the show. And if we do make the show, to run enough to make some money to keep this thing going. So we're not really here to compete. We don't have the car. We don't have the anything to go out and go head-to-head with any team. So what can we do to run a car? that costs not a lot but we can go out make some money pay some bills and turn up at the next race that was the dale coin race car driver slash team owner experience in the mid to late ish 80s i think 87 88 or so was around was his last uh, year driving did so as some of you might recall in a little bit of a home-built car modified another Indycar chassis, bigger guy too, so that wasn't a super easy fit, but he's also known for being the guy running a stock block Chevy V8 uh when obviously some sort of turbo was a way to go, a Cosworth or even a Chevy, but just a lot cheaper, super cheap by comparison to drop a stock block V8 in, run around and This is where, from a business standpoint, Mike, where he saw the value proposition. I like doing this. I want to do it. If I keep doing it, who knows? Maybe fortunes will turn. A sponsor will come along. Who knows? But at minimum, if we can keep showing up and I can get the cost down to run this thing, get some, you know, 19th place prize money, 21st place, whatever. Long before, you know, back when there's real prize money, um, That's how he sustained himself. When the driving part kind of went away, when he's starting businesses, developing businesses, it's a bit of a fundamental mindset change here. And so I'm mentioning the backstory because I think it applies to where we are now. Dale then became, as I spoke about just a little while ago, about Ross Bentley, the guy who was buying cheapish cars with Cosworths in them are something that wasn't, you know, not the stock block motors, but it was a guy who said, all right, well, you know, we're going to put the money together and try and keep running the team, but offer this as something where folks can buy rides. And he just straight up, for many, many, many years, that was the natural destination for some good drivers, rarely great drivers quite often drivers you'd never heard of or who were just really obscure oh that guy's always almost last in name whatever it is f1 f2 who knows sports cars oh and now he's in this car okay or you know, often it's the oh that guy got as far as formula 3 formula 3000 indy lights Formula atlantic flamed out not we're not talking the champion we're talking oh the guy was 7th 12th but has mustered the money or comes from money dale was the the first phone call in many instances so the list of who what type drivers at dale coin racing throughout the 90s in particular into the 2000s you know there are some nice exceptions here or there hey oriole servia is on that list Wow, wow great again some exceptions, but it wasn't until, uh, really we had the merger, AKA champ car blew up. Tony George bought its remains and some teams came over. Uh, it really wasn't until coin came in. Justin Wilson then became available after the 2000, what was it? Eight season, I believe. And all of a sudden we have Justin Wilson, a race-winning, front-running, wow, that guy is, you know, <laughs> that guy is a coveted guy. He's just driving for Newman-Hoss. Um, Justin Wilson is now driving for Dale Coyne. And that, as I recall, if my brain is not misremembering, um, this is really the first instance where we have... A super super competitive effort in this modern era at least that dale can look forward to uh and this i would say 2009 when the big man came in what i think he finished on the podium in his first race or something like that uh for dale juan watkins glenn dale's first ever win after sh- 20 year whatever the number was 20 years it felt like um 20 plus years of competing um the big man delivers Dale's first win and we saw in that Sonny's barbecue sponsored car um something that you know was Dale's own team I'm sorry Dale's own business um something where he's coming out of pocket to make that happen Mike and this to me was really the time where things transformed a bit for dale where he had a driver again i know that he had you know bruno junquera super talented catherine lag uh, what shorty uh, cristiano damato was there you know again it's not as if dale didn't have some really good drivers throughout the years but this to me just struck me as someone who was there at the right time coming off of being with you know the Newman Haas organization, and really brought more to the team overall than maybe it had had, and things went a bit sideways after that. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had we went how's this? We went from one full time entry for Justin Wilson in two thousand nine to Alex Lloyd. Love really, Alex is super good, and Milka Duno. The following year, um, we then went to what James Jakes and, uh, Lloyd and, and sharing the following year. Justin was back in 2012. They won another race. Jakes was there though, paying for the other one. Um, Justin was back again, uh, in 2013, Mike Conway stepped in, uh, and, um, won a race for them. What I'm getting at here is there was a bit of a transition point, I believe, where Justin came in, brought no money. there's no money, no anything, just talent. And Dale committed to putting more of his own money into the team, really trying to be their best. And all of a sudden, we started thinking about and talking about the team in a different light. Conway, in particular, as well, won, what, a race or two for him. Uh, Carlos where to it up, winning a race, uh, for him, but again, guys bringing money. So there was this, just this dynamic that developed one person being paid the other person paying, and this went a little bit weird in 2015 Dale, uh, Justin has just had enough of dealing with Dale. Um, and I, you know, what, seven drivers or something like that. Eight, I don't know how many, uh, way too many. Were in that team in 2015 uh, not as many but a similar high number in 16 finally they go with Seb Vassar and Sullivan in 2017 kvs8 shuts down and boom all of a sudden you're kind of back with a guy that you knew Sebastian right super good talented guy full time unlike before and there's another dedication to put more money in, to be more, not just rely on those who are paying. So I give Dale credit. I really do. He is the last, more or less the last of a, of a breed of IndyCar owner. Successful in business. However, the success, success has come financially, whether it's given or earned, there's the, we could say they're a success compared to most human beings. Uh, Dale's one of really about the only old school. Team owners who says, we love what we do. We're going to put our own money in. Let's go try and win some races. I'm not going to do it. I'm not editing. Sorry, unpolished turd. We're going to go try and win a championship. We're going to go try and win races. I'm going to spend. I'm going to take money from my own companies and fill in whatever budgetary gaps there might be. In doing that, Dale has been doing a financially good, but by no means spending as much or putting in enough to get to the level that the big teams are at. So even though he's doing more than ever, has been doing more than ever, it's still below what the front-running teams are doing. So there's been a bit of a split in terms of consistency and results. So this is a thing that I take away, Mike. This is where I think it's just a philosophical item. Dale's really the last. He's the only one left doing this. And so is he a jerk by not wanting to come out of pocket even more to fund the majority of the number 18 Honda? If you take that $1.1, $1.2 million free engine lease out of the equation... It sounds like that was indeed the thing that just pushed him over the line. Could there be other things? Maybe. I don't know. But that sounds like it's it. Could be the major thing here, Mike. So is he a dick? Is this a dick move? I mean, not honoring a guy's contract. Yeah, that's a dick move. Period. (laughs) He, this driver, signed an agreement, made a commitment to you has had inquiries, big inquiries from big, serious teams. You said no to all of them. Okay, this person made a commitment to you. You know, I would say it's not too far from a marriage vow in sickness and in health, right? Sign a contract. It doesn't say, well, if things are going well, you get to drive. If they don't, we're going to bounce you. There's no need for a contract in that case. That's just, I don't even know if it, that's maybe a verbal at most. I mean, that's as precarious as can be. That's not what happened here. So with all, that, with all that in mind, there's no doubt it's a dick move when you don't honor someone's contract. And many opportunities have passed that driver by. But I would say knowing the other part of Dale's story, that he has been the one putting in his own money for so many years, maybe it tempers things a little bit. Doesn't change the fact that the not honoring Seb's contract is a dick move. This is someone, though, who I guess found his limit of how much he's willing to put in and is now looking for a paying driver to have the pleasure of being in that number 18 Honda. So. the takeaway here and it might be inaccurate but the takeaway here is oh damn well maybe we're going back to the old dale coin maybe the feel good team the little mary band the underfunded band that's punching so well above its weight maybe that's that's not the story anymore maybe dale's going back to the well whoever we can get that can cover the budget as best as possible. That's who we are. We're not going out trying to give this our best effort. We're going to do our best based upon who would pay us the most to do it. Two totally different things. It's not as if you can't have very good paying drivers who then perform well, but there's obviously a difference between going out and hiring the best you can get and, Going for wins and championships, and hoping you get something good with whomever brings the most valuable check to your team. Does this mean that Santino Ferrucci is now their number one option? We'll have to see who they confirm in Sebastian's old car. We don't know. But I can tell you that, well, I think. Santino is extremely talented and still has a lot of upside to explore. I'm not sure if we're talking about a future champion here. I don't think anyone is because we just don't know. We need more time to find out. But is he a team leader? I don't know. Even though Seb did not have a great 2019 in terms of failing to get into victory lane and a couple of mistakes that were costly. Uh There's the heart of the team situation. And even though Seb is known for being difficult at times, it's not difficult for difficulty's sake. It's to push an organization. And will there be that person pushing the organization from the cockpit and pushing it in the right directions? That's where I guess I would ask, pose the question back. Tough business-minded guy applying a hard line financially, or a dick move by an owner. Um, I think we're going to find out, Mike. Unless again we have some amazing driver who's also bringing a budget to take Seb's place. I think we'll be asking ourselves if that if he doesn't have some whoa holy crap type talent in that car. I think we're going to be asking ourselves throughout the year was that $1.1, $1.2 million savings, was that worth the overall downturn and reversion of your team? If you are putting in money, and I know a million dollars is not a small sum, but if you're already putting in millions, if saving in this area and not keeping your driver uh is it worth it? Will this cost benefit analysis pay out to the betterment of Dale Coin Racing? Will they will they be a better stronger higher finishing team as a result of this decision? And if not, will we look back at that parting of ways with Seb? Will we look back at that as a thing that okay, maybe you save some money on that salary? But you've taken a plummet in the overall standings. Um, and do you care if that does happen? What's most important? Being most competitive on track or striking the best income to debt ratio in winning that war, which doesn't, <laughs> there's no championship for it to see who is spending the least while finishing the best. That to me is a big question, Mike. We're going to have to, we're going to have to see. We don't know who's going to drive that car. We think we think we might know could be, and that driver could be impressive, but is Dale Coyne racing going to be in a better place at the end of 2020? I don't know. And if it comes down to uh, being unwilling to pick up this driver's Sebastian Bourdais contract to save money, uh, I'd feel really bad that this might be the final chapter written by Dale. Knowing that it, you know, someone in what his mid sixties, late sixties, you know, we want him to be around forever, but you always get concerned. Uh, once you have a, an aging team owner and I don't know. The story has been pretty darn good so far. He's 65. Story has been pretty darn good. So far guy from Manuka, Illinois, and I just hope that we don't uh, unstitch the uh, the last chapter or two here of what's been pretty darn good. One of the the fun and most popular teams to follow because of the fight, the big fight they're putting up. I hope we don't remember them uh, the close the closing years of this chapter being one of oh they reverted back, just taking whoever could pay for it, and that's not unique or special. So hard to remember them in that way wish them the best love those guys truly people on that team are just amazing just hope that the many hours of work they put in every day is being done for something that can lead to meaningful results all right i need to say goodbye I got rocky who's just jumped up in the back of the chair who's licking my hair <laughs> what are you doing rock <sighs> all right I am Marshall Pruitt. This is the Marshall Pruitt Podcast. Your weekend in IndyCar listener Q&A. Look at this. We're coming in at, uh, what, under an hour and 45. Ah, what, a, what a fine feeling this is. Let's say thank you to Cooper Tires. Let's say thank you to the Justice Brothers. TorontoMotorsports.com. Uh, super extra awesome people there, too. Uh, be sure jared burcham to send me in uh, your email address via dm we will get you some swag if you have a notion check out torontomotorsports.com and those wilson children's fund autographed charity prints and let's also say thank you to bell racing helmets usa for your little week in indycar listener q a and i look forward to speaking to you next week